Welcome back to DeFi Yield, everyone. This is Michael here, as usual. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, appreciate you being here. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, the all notifications. Today, we're super excited. We have the founder of Paraswap, Munir. Uh, Munir, thanks for being here with us. Thanks, Michael, for having me. Pleasure to yeah. be here. 100%, 100%. So maybe just let's quickly talk about, uh, I think, two things maybe that go together, which is, can you just kind of give a quick overview for people who don't know of what uh, Paraswap is? And then in particular, I think the thing that may be useful because it's got some similarities to other platforms is what makes Paraswap different from a lot of similar products? Yeah, so in simple terms, Paraswap is a liquidity aggregator on Ethereum blockchain, Polygon, BSC in others in the future. So it allows uh, end users to swap uh, from one token to the other. Mm -hmm. And also uh, it allows third-party apps like uh, MetaMask, Ledger, whatever, to uh, integrate our API and provide a similar UI to their users. Or it can be a protocol that needs specific features like Aave will need to have a swap of interest rates can use also our API in order to do so. So more abstract way, it's a middleware that allows the exchange of value, no matter what their nature is, as long as this value is tokenized on the blockchain, of course. Yeah. And, and so for people who use it, you can go to Paraswap and check out the check out the website and everything and do some swapping and look at the vaults, et cetera. Uh, how is it, does it compare to SushiSwap or to Uniswap or to some of the others that other people may be more familiar with? Yeah, so those are DEXs. And yep. we are an aggregator of those DEXs. For instance, uh, it's like airline companies when you may use whatever airline company like Air Canada, uh, US Airlines, and so on. But uh, people generally would use an Expedia or kayak.com in order to get the best price. Uh, and here, in when we talk about finance or decentralized finance, it's not just about pointing you to the best price or maybe telling you uh, from, I don't know, Montreal to, to San Francisco, you will go through, through New York and then to San Francisco. We may split your trade across multiple taxes. So for a single trade, you may get, I don't know, a 30% from SushiSwap and a 70% from Uniswap, maybe even more complex than that. It's all about math and algorithms in order to maximize the return and minimize the fees that the end user is gonna pay. Very nice, very nice. And so one of the things that I find is interesting is I think I was literally on Ledger Live uh, yesterday and I think they're using you uh, yeah. for some of their swapping. So tell me about, that's a really interesting partnership that you guys have got. So you have some sort of API technology that makes it really easy for them to integrate or how does this work? Yeah, Ledger was very interesting. Uh, it was also first, uh, integration of its category. Uh, that time it was integrating the whole stack, which means the including the UI. Normally uh, we provide the API and we yep. let the partners do what they want, uh, yep. build whatever UI they want. Yep. And here we productize the UI mm -hmm. and we made it as a kind of a, like a white label so that the partners don't even need to build their own UI. They just plug in ours uh, nice. with some parameters uh, like embed so that's it won't show the defaults, I would say, features that you have if you go to Aparasop.io. And uh, it's, uh, it's a user of the API at the end. Like uh, it is coming from Ledger, it is not coming from Paraswap. So the transactions are signed by Ledger. Uh, the users, they will have, uh, I would say, their swaps protected by their Ledger Nano or their Ledger X. Yep. So yep. that was a very interesting, a very interesting integration. 
yeah yeah that's a that's a big partnership good for you guys on uh on putting that together what uh when when you do this sort of thing uh and you're you're kind of setting up uh how this uh how this works um how how is that integrated with like if you were to compare somebody using metamask to using ledger is it basically just a different uh kind of piece of software that's doing the signing or is there any kind of technical difference on implementation so in our perspective there is no difference uh, because uh all what we do at the end if you think about it is providing tooling uh so for ledger is providing the api uh, the smart contract plus the ui for others it's only the contract and, and the api so at the end what we do is we deliver the prices through the api it's just mm -hmm. like providing data and then when the user wants to submit a trade, well, we provide the library, an open source library to sign the transaction. But then what happens later is uh, depending on each wallet. So if it's a ledger, it's going to follow the ledger pattern. If it's a Uniswap, it's going to be just the click on the Uniswap extension and so on. So we're totally agnostic. And that's also because we're using I mean, those uh, standard libraries like Web3, there's JS that are just, uh, I would say, wrappers to uh, those wallets who, who have uh, the same interface and for us we are totally agnostic like it can be a metamask it can be something else it's just a web3 send transaction and that's cool cool yeah that's uh very interesting so what inspired you to create paraswap originally but i was a dex user uh mm -hmm. and that's uh 2018 well 2017 and 18 uh mm -hmm. was using ether delta at the time uh which was okay i mean that's all we had anyways at the time mm -hmm. and uh, it wasn't a great experience for those who didn't use it, it was kind of slow kind of expensive and the early idea was to build a better ether delta just use just build a text that is more user-friendly faster and so on so that was the early idea i had the late 2018 and then i started looking seriously in q2 around q2 2019 uh, but at that time, uh, we already had Kyber, Uniswap, Bancor, who had a finished product, working product. So I said, okay, let's maybe not reinvent the wheel. Let's build on top of those DEXs. And also, I love the idea of AMMs. Uh, it's still early stage at the time, but for, for me, it was a winner because uh, other book DEXs, especially DEXs, are too complex uh, to, yeah. to, to get it right uh, on chain. So, um, and many people didn't believe on the AMM model. At the time, people were thinking, no, AMM is not going to work. They were right at the time, but they didn't see the future because at the time, the quality was really small. So I loved, loved both the idea of AMMs and the idea of building on top of something that exists. So I decided to build a, still a retail product, something that anyone can use for trading on-chain. And yep. that happened in June 2019, like uh, it took me like around two months. And it was a very, very naive approach because, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, taxes were already very early stage yep. and the retail weren't just ready to, to use taxes at all. I mean, we were talking about two years ago, okay, but yeah, two years in crypto is like uh, 20 years. Yep. So, so yeah, that was too early. And uh, that led me into rethink the model and say, okay, this is a niche, uh, DeFi, it's a, it's a niche. So maybe the best, I would say, community to build for is the niche community. So let's build something for DeFi projects 
and sorry, for the DeFi community. And also during that time, there were two existing projects or three existing projects. Some of them even uh, try, had some thoughts about building the same thing. So I thought, okay, the market is telling this, is telling that this is what has to be done. And I made a switch, like it took like a month to, to rebuild just the contract and stuff like that. And this is what looks a lot like Firesoft today. I mean, Very it's cool. evolved obviously, yep. but like the core core products is uh, it started in September 2019. Interesting. So from like from a smart contract step perspective, when you have an aggregator like this, how does it work? Like, yeah, how do you, do you basically you have your wallet engages with a smart contract, which engages with a bunch of others that are related to all the different uh, exchanges and liquidity pools and like, yeah, how does it work? Yeah, exactly like this. Yeah, you have a contract that is in general a proxy mm -hmm. that will distribute the trade across mm -hmm. uh, one or multiple exchanges mm -hmm. uh, with different levels of complexity. It can be just uh, splitting on two or maybe doing different fancy routes. But anyways, it's going to execute simultaneously on multiple DEXs. And the key benefits of using a contract and not doing it directly is this uh, smart contract guarantees or EVM guarantees that we have, for instance, uh, say I want to swap one ETH for 4,000 USDT. Uh, and uh, no matter what's happening in between, it can be three DEXs, four, 10, whatever, but I want the smart contract and give you a guarantee that you will never receive less than 4,000 USDT. Uh, so that's if it goes below, but like one way, the mm -hmm. transaction is gonna revert and your ETH is not going to be spent. And that's oh. an on-chain guarantee. That's an EVM guarantee that you, yep. that you get as a user. Um, yeah, that's because the alternative is like telling you execute here, then execute there, then execute there. And that's not like technically possible in, in Ethereum at least. Yeah, yeah. And what about, you know, how come you don't end up paying three times the gas fees, say, if you have the trade split up between three different decks? What? You kind of do because it adds up. So if you do a trade, say on Uniswap, that may take, I don't know, 100K gas, and yep. you are doing another trade on SushiSwap that's taking 100, say another 100. So you will be in theory paying 200. Well, you will be paying slightly less because trades between contracts uh, take a little bit less gas uh, okay. depending on the transaction. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna do it. So that's why the pricing algorithm will take that into consideration. Okay. For instance, maybe if you combine both two DEXs, you will get a dollar more, mm -hmm. but the gas overhead, you will make you pay $5 more. So oh, yeah. the price aggregator, the algorithm is gonna try to minimize the fees and maximize the price. So maybe in this context, you will be executing only on one DEX, not, not on two. Okay, okay, yeah, makes, makes good sense. And how do you get, like, how does it work for pricing information? Because it seems like actually getting pricing information is pretty difficult, uh, especially real, like real time on chain. Yeah, uh, it's one of the hardest things. I mean, this is where I would say a lot of engineering has been invested, a lot of engineering time, actually. Um, there are two ways where the first one is straightforward, is just calling uh, some functions on smart contract that will give you the price. So Uniswap, they have uh, their specific functions, SushiSwap and others. Uh, the thing is, uh, you cannot do too much because if you ask Uniswap, give me the price of X to Y, uh, it's okay. But imagine you will be doing 
100 uh, calls uh, at the same time. Yeah. Full notes are not optimized for this for this kind of uh, I would say interactions uh, because I don't know how, how much technical should I speak. You, no, you stop me if I'm going there. No, no, <laughs> going I, I, I would rather hear more technical than not. It's very okay. fascinating. Okay, okay, okay. So you know, um, blockchains can be seen as a database, but at the end, it's it's like an unstructured database. Data in of smart contracts. Each contract they design the data structure the way that fits uh, for the context. So here it's like uh, looking for unstructured data, different kind of structures for many kind of data sources, which are each contract. So at the end, we come down to like, just digging in memory, like looking into SSD files uh, for in, in many places. So this is very expensive. And one, uh, I would say call of a function yep. has multiple calls. So it can I call a balance off here, another balance off, another operation. There are a lot of operations. If you like try to do it as a transaction, it will use a lot of gas. Uh, so there is a limit. So we cannot just do that and to source the price, we need to get what you call samples. For instance, Uniswap will get, I don't know, 10, 15 samples. So Uniswap, we're gonna get 30 samples, depending on, on the context. We end up with a matrix of prices in order okay. to run those optimization yes. algorithms. Yep. So to so we're not making one call for each, we're making like 10, 20, 40 calls for each. So it's just impossible to scale uh, unless you will have like, a, huge data center and it's not, I mean, a smart way of doing this. So the right way is to, uh, and it's not possible for all, all DEXs, is to rebuild the structure of this data off chain. Which means you just uh, try to reconstruct this data and make it structured so that you can query this data in, a, in an efficient way. And you have okay. like a instant access to the data and instant sampling that was allow us to scale. So right now we can, respond to, to queries, for instance, in Polygon, where it's fully using this model in like 200, 300 milliseconds. That's, uh, that's something that's something that is, and sometimes the routes are very, very complex. Uh, in, in Ethereum, it's a bit harder because there are many legacy DEXs who didn't thought about uh, us, like aggregators building, building, uh, building there. So they have just the normal methods. And even for that, we have some uh, trade-offs in order to do things correctly. That's only one part, there are other parts for also maximizing the prices, strategy of algorithms. So all this, I would say engineering, uh, what makes uh, an aggregator work and the work in a scalable way or also an efficient way. That's what you're always looking for is how do we give a fast response and give also a better price because that's what people are looking for when going to aggregators. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's see if I kind of understood this properly. So basically you uh, kind of are proactively uh, grabbing lots of data from different DEXs, uh, you are basically pulling that uh, out off chain. You are structuring it in some sort of a way, putting it into some sort of a structured database uh, so that you have uh, a, a basically a feed of data that you can go to. You can query that really quickly and in a way that is structured and easy. Maybe it goes to AWS or whatever. Uh, and then based on that, you can say, okay, here's what we need to do. And you go back out and execute on actually what is happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. cool, yeah. And so from that standpoint then, what does that mean for like, is Paraswap running largely off chain then? And then it just executes on chain? Is it like from a technical standpoint, it's not just a pure DAP or? 
Um, so the um, the DAP, the pure DAP, is the UI. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just uh, I mean, it, it doesn't need any server or anything. Yeah. Uh, it just needs a data source. And right now, the data source is the API for price information. Uh, okay. Running this on smart contract is uh, not uh, realistic because you don't have, I would say, concurrency in smart contracts. You have limitations of computations. I mean, Solidity is not really made for this kind of uh, this kind of computations. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not. I mean, the very first version was fully on chain. I was yeah. very excited and very happy. Yeah. Uh, but at that time, there were only four DEXs that were in, in really, really would have liquidity and four DEXs on the whole market. Uh, yeah. But right now, we're dealing with at this time we have like 70 or more than 70 exchanges yep. and each one has multiple pools so uniswap you can see it with the thousands of pools uh, same thing with balancer and all the all the others and when we are fetching for prices we're looking at into all those pools so you can assume that we are looking into hundreds of pools at the same time in yep. order to grab this liquidity so uh, this is not possible in on chain unfortunately yeah yeah makes sense makes sense and do you run your own node in order to help make some of this easier or? Not, we did at some point, uh, but we choose not to, no longer to do it. So maybe we'll restore it later. It requires a lot of, uh, I would say DevOps in order to get it right and uh, to keep it up and running. And even big node providers have issues on keeping, on keeping up. So right now we use a cocktail of multiple node providers in order to do this, which helped us also be very focused on the products and not on the infrastructure. But right now we are starting to do some DevOps, uh, some infrastructure because we're hitting the limits of this, uh, I would say hacks on not uh, being responsible for the, for the notes ourselves. It was okay because it was nothing critical. Uh, it's just getting data from yep. there. So we never had any major issues. Sometimes you have some disconnect for like uh, some nodes are not uh, synchronized with the last block and stuff like that. But so far we found the very, ro very robust solutions. So we're, yeah, we choose not to do it. It's very, it's, it's kind of hard to run that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Good for you. Good for you. Um, and so how would Paraswap compare to, I guess, probably the most famous aggregator is one inch. How would you compare yeah. to other aggregators like one inch? Yeah, it's the same as I would say, uh, as I said, uh, compared to, to, I mean, we haven't discussed it, but anyways, uh, uh, for us, we take this infrastructure approach uh, in this middleware approach. Uh, and not uh, the UI and branding of the UI. So we think that uh, other aggregators like OneInch and others, they are building like a DAX, even though it's not a DAX, it's an aggregator, yeah. uh, but the brand is the UI. People recognize that it's the UI, but for us, we think there is much better value in building a backend between codes yeah. that will be decentralized in the future. So yeah. that's our long-term objective is we can raise our hands and this thing will continue to, to work. And the UI, we see it as a first power user of, yep. of this uh, backend and the first challenger of this backend. So it was uh, what allowed us to distribute our technology and it can become open source at some point in the future. So nice. even though we love it and we maintain it and we put a lot of effort in it, uh, but I think it, the most, um, most of our focus is on the, on I would say the technology side. Even the UI, we see it as a technology. So tomorrow people can build on top of the UI, they can add features to the UI, but yeah, we see ourselves as a technology provider and not an exchange as, as I think others see themselves. 
Yeah, cool, cool. No, I, I like that as a, as a, so talk to me a bit about this kind of move to decentralization. It's not really easy to get uh, to get to a place where, you know, you don't have to be solely responsible for something and a community takes it over. Uh, yeah, just yeah. fill me in. Yeah, so we don't have the same, I would say, privilege as those protocols who are fully on chain uh, because they can do it like tomorrow. Some have done it already and that's great but yeah we're running a backend so we don't have a blockchain that we can just uh, i would say delegate this to it uh, so we are still needed right now our servers are still needed mm-hmm. and the good news is uh, others some others have done it like the graph for instance it's a decentralized backend uh, and they were able to do it we have different problems than the graph we have this real-time issue that's the data has to be valid has to be the latest while the graph they have, it's like, I would say the, the example I like to give is like a spark in Hadoop of those who worked in big data, Hadoop for like batches and things that are not, not needed right now and spark for like real time uh, data processing. So that's, we are like a spark and the, the graph is like Hadoop and the graph is decentralized. So we think we can, we can get there. And uh, there are also some other projects like pocket network. They are also working working on this and they have very similar pro- uh, problems uh, than us, like challenges than us. Mm-hmm. And we are looking maybe into potentially some uh, common solutions we can we can work on, on in the future. We see that there are some similarities with the telecom industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's They are running on decentralized networks like a, like a phone, phone company and so on. Mm-hmm. And also- uh, or whatever. Yeah. And also they have uh, the same, I would say, metric, the key metric that they are tracking, it's quality of service, QoS. Mm-hmm. And that's also for us, what we don't want to give, to give away, what we can't afford to give away. It's we need to be decentralized and we need to keep the same quality of service, if not better. So we are looking into, into those things. We are thinking about them. It's not going to happen like tomorrow. This will take maybe one, two or three years. So we, we don't know exactly, <clears throat> but that's definitely the goal. Yeah. Because I think if we don't do it, we're kind of redundant with traditional finance and yeah. we want to be or, or with DeFi. So to be in the same mindset as, as DeFi, a product that can be decentralized should be decentralized. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So maybe talk to me a little bit about that. You know, what's your what was your interest or spawned the interest for you in DeFi? Um, the for me, it's a natural evolution of crypto, right? Because we uh, created, I mean, came out that Bitcoin was created as a response to uh, the dysfunctioning traditional finance. So it's supposed to be decentralized, and but so we did to shortcut the banks. But then we created other kinds of banks, which are centralized exchanges. So it defines the purpose of, uh, of crypto and decentralization by having uh, big, those big custodials uh, for at least for retail. Uh, it doesn't make sense like to, to have uh, to not have this ownership, uh, especially for the exchange parts. So DeFi for me was a continuation of this idea of centralization by decentralizing the, the exchange of value. Uh, that's that's what drove the interest for me. It's it's just natural. Uh, I don't yeah. I don't think it's something that was invented. It's just like a natural evolution of crypto. So, so this might be might seem like an obvious question, but I, I'm curious to hear different people's perspectives on it. What do you think is the problem with centralized finance that you know is driving us to decentralized finance? Uh, well, I think 
uh, first of all, the problems that's already happened, like uh, hacks on those inside jobs. Uh, and what's funny is in 2017, we used to talk only about Mongox. And many people now even forgot about Mangox because there were like hundreds of Mangox since since 2017. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would say uh, that centralized uh, CFI uh, was okay because there was no alternative. To be to be fair, uh, in 2012 or 2013, who can there was no infrastructure to build DeFi, and uh, it was a temporary solution that worked fine and i think now we are switching to defi and even big uh, cfi you know, say projects like binance and others are also building on defi to i think that's a proof uh, of the benefits of defi obviously some people can see it as opportunistic but i would argue that can be kind of both. yeah yeah that makes sense what if we go back even further what if we say okay you know because uh, some people will argue, hey, listen, you know, why do we need crypto at all? You know, the existing system works fairly well or something. What, what do you see as the main problems that uh, that we're solving here with uh, with crypto and with DeFi as compared with the traditional finance system? Yeah, uh, I would say we have to define works like it works for some people and <laughs> doesn't work for others. Yeah. Uh, so I and then also it depends on geography, right? Because if you are in uh, I don't know, in the US or Canada or Europe or any established country, maybe that can make sense because uh, you have significant uh, tools and significant products and infrastructure and regulatory protection that can justify just ignoring crypto at all. But how about people who are in other countries that don't have any infrastructure or any financial system uh, and crypto is an opportunity for these people to at least have access to some finance, to savings account, to transfer of value and so on. So I think it's the value proposition for these people definitely makes sense. I don't think we can argue there. Yes, there are some projects in FinTech. That's what many people would say. They would argue that FinTech, but okay, FinTech also is complicated because it's a country by country, it's a regulatory by regulatory regime. It's also uh, in third world countries, uh, you have to deal with corruption and all of those things. I mean, there are a lot of complexity. It's not as straightforward as it may seem, but crypto is just neutral. Uh, it's just on the blockchain. As long as you have internet and a mobile phone or computer, you have access to this. You have the same level access as you and I, as anyone in living in any established country. Yeah. Cool, cool. Sounds good. Well, I always appreciate uh, hearing those hearing those sorts of things. Um, so you guys right now support three chains, I believe: uh, Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, and Polygon. Uh, plans to add others? Yeah. So Avalanche very soon, uh, yep. more likely this week, yep. uh, depending on this video will will go out, and uh, Arbitrum as well. Uh, we see a lot of uh, value in Arbitrum. Uh, it's not a surprise that it attracted a lot of uh, a lot of uh, major project in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And one also one very special launch we're gonna do is on zk sync. Okay. This is also the first uh, zk rollup uh, launch, mm -hmm. yep. and it's very different uh, than others because it's not EVM compatible. Okay. So that's uh, something we kind of building from scratch. Uh, uh, we're doing some I would say trade offs because. There is no smart contract language live or like a stable yet. Uh, so we're using a native uh, swap uh, functionality that was built by the ZK Sync team, and we are building a DEX on top of it. So that's uh, okay. that will be that will be something that's going to launch with Argent 
uh, Numeo with uh, ZK Sync wallets. So in our, our UI as well, hopefully uh, very soon in October, uh, if everything goes well, I mean, this is software, you never know, but I think yeah, <laughs> we should be good in October. Yeah. That's super interesting. What, so what inspired you to choose ZK Sync? I mean, I would have thought maybe it'd be easier to go and add Harmony or to go and add, you know, something uh, something a little more popular. I don't hear a lot of talk about ZK Sync. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Harmony as well, we, we can have it. Um, thing is with EVM compatible chains, because we did Polygon and BSC, right now it's very easy to spin a new chain. It's yeah. just a matter of having the, the right, uh, I would say, tools like we need the uh, fiat tracker, like uh, fiat, sorry, fiat on chain uh, uh, oracle, like a chain link. We need the graph. As long as we have all of those, we can launch in a few days uh, a new chain. So it's uh, it's just, it's automatic. Uh, uh, we just see if there is liquidity in our taxes. That's all we need. It take us like two, three, four, five days maximum to yep. be to go from zero to 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 mainnet. Yep. Uh, but ZK Sync, uh, first of all, we like the idea of ZK rollups yep. uh, compared to sidechains and compared to uh, compared to uh, optimistic rollups uh, yep. uh, because of the security uh, that it brings. Yep. And uh, also, we had some very significant demand. For instance, Argent, uh, one of our top partners, uh, wanted to be on ZK Sync and not on on optimistic rollups. Yep. We had a long discussions and. We love the idea of going through to 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 ZK rollups, and it's not going to be the only one. We'll be building on uh, Starknet from Starkware. Mm -hmm. uh, we love also the Starknet team; they are really really brilliant. And it's the same thing as ZK Sync. It's based on ZK rollups, which I think is the most secure uh, model for layers today. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that. Uh... <laughs> That they chose to go like with Optimus, like Vitalik seems to be really positive on optimistic rollups, and Arbitrum, of course, is like a variation on optimistic rollups. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because the user experience seems to suffer a lot in the process. Uh, I think maybe you get a little bit more performance or something just because you know you're not verifying every one of them as compared to zk. But yeah, it seems uh, I, I agree. So. Maybe give, give me your thoughts on that, because this is another one. I mean, you can look at, uh, I guess there's three different approaches, right? You have layer twos like Arbitrum, et cetera. Then you've got side chains like Polygon, et cetera. And then you've got something like Avalanche, which is like a layer one. And in theory, you don't have to do anything. Uh, what's what's your thoughts from a, you know, you're, you're a software engineer, you have technical background, et cetera. What's your perspective on the different approaches? Yeah, in my opinion, uh, all side chains are layer ones. Uh, if, you, if you think about it, uh, they are just EVM compatible or build and built on top of the EVM, uh, which makes us call them side chains. Uh, I, I guess I guess the reason I would call them a side chain is because there's a bridge, right? If you bridge over assets from one to the other, yeah. that becomes the thing that makes it a side chain, which I guess you could do to all kinds of other things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at the end, yeah, it's just a matter of perspective. Uh, and uh, yeah, your, your question, sorry, was about uh, what, yeah, just what I think. Your, your perspective on the differences and the comparisons and, you know, kind of yeah. the direction you see the technology and the industry heading. Yeah, I, I think each, each, uh, each chain, whether it's a side chain or a layer two, addresses a specific purpose. Uh, for instance, BSC. It came at a crazy time when gas were just impossible. Like people were just excluded at that time. 
it was it became a Dijon play or a Wales play and it was a perfect timing so I think no matter what critics can have we can have uh, for BSC but it just served the purpose as centralized exchanges did the did before and Polygon came after BSC to even make it better because yeah. uh, still uh, BSC costs some gas but Polygon it's like free so yeah. it looks more like a CX than, than, than a DX in terms of user experience, which make that's I think one of the things that made it very successful without having the same means as, as a Binance. Um, but layer twos, they bring security that is based on Ethereum. So it's yeah. the same to hack a layer, uh, a poly, uh, an Arbitrum or, or, a, or a ZK Sync, you need to hack Ethereum. That's, yeah. that's the thing that is missing from, from sidechains. So I believe that long-term speaking, uh, layer twos, are better candidate to win uh, or to build a critical mass than side chains. Uh, and if side chains do, they will do it because they are a very good layer one, not because they are a side chain of Ethereum, mm -hmm. in my opinion, because the security model is very, very solid. Uh, but we see some, we saw some movements. So for instance, Polygon, they uh, they acquired uh, Hermes, this uh, ZK rollups yep. chain which gives, I think, a signal that Polygon is not just building just the sidechain. They are building something much bigger that they are promised when they rebranded from, from Matic, that they are building like a Polkadot for the Ethereum uh, EVM chains or Ethereum uh, layer twos. So I think that's a very good uh, good play. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, and from that standpoint, uh, what do you think in terms of the possibility of ever being really decentralized and I'll kind of give kind of the, what I'm thinking about in this. So the concern is as more and more data and more and more users add up onto a given chain, such as Ethereum, the hardware requirements in order to run a node essentially grow. Um, and that just kind of is a natural drive towards centralization. How do you think we maintain decentralized? I mean, I think, what is it, Infura or something who is super, Ethereum super reliant on it. Um, so do you have any thoughts on what the future of it looks like in order to try and maintain this decentralization, which seems fairly challenging to maintain given all the data yeah. passing through there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, one of the biggest challenge. And I remember two years ago, there was like a day where everyone had to, uh, I don't know what was the thing, but what happened, what would, it was like, let's not use Infura. Let's everyone disconnect from Infura and see what's happened. But I guess nobody has done it. But yeah, we see some issues when it comes to centralization of, uh, of the service. Uh, it's happened, uh, especially last year in 2019, a lot when Infura went down. Like there were some issues and you have like the half of DeFi not working. But I think the good news right now is that the growth of the market inspired many new companies to, to come in. And now we see, for instance, Alchemy, uh, Chainstack, uh, many, many other companies building, uh, uh, delivering the service. It's still centralized, okay, but at least it's diverse. But we have a project like Pocket Network uh, that are trying to build a fully decentralized Infura between codes. So that's something I guess we may see also in either Pocket succeeding and becoming much bigger uh, through the, their protocol or maybe other uh, pockets protocols that will that will come. But then the question is, uh, okay, but what happens to this growth of the size of the chain? 
that may not be accessible to anyone to, to yeah. run a computer. I don't know how it will play out. We still have this uh, Moore's law that says that the cost of the of the of the hardware uh, is uh, divided by two, if I'm not mistaken, every whatever a year. And I think the cost of the hardware will go down. But how this will play out, it's very hard to to, to say right now. But yeah. we we see we've seen it before. Like uh, uh, running a computer with one terabyte wasn't possible, I would say, ten years ago. So I think right now a terabyte computer is just normal. And I think this will this will contribute uh, on 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 enabling uh, people to run for this. Yeah, yeah, it's an it's an interesting uh, interesting problem. I saw somebody had a post on Twitter the other day saying, you know, the future has to be multi-chain because of the fact that no chain can sustain a billion users or something like that. And uh, so, you know, <laughs> interesting interesting take on it. So very interesting. So. Uh, what about in terms of, because you were mentioning you're doing this other uh, completely different uh, language, not Solidity, et cetera. Any thoughts on bringing Solana into uh, into Paraswap or any other chains like that? Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to. Solana, Polkadot, uh, Cosmos. We love those chains and we love the projects. Uh, it's just a matter of resources right now. So if any Solana or Polkadot developers are interested please feel free to contact me. Uh, that's the only limitation we have right now is being able to, to build because this will be also built from scratch. They are using different languages, different stack. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we're, we'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll, build, we'll build there for sure. So maybe this is just a, a fun, uh, fun question. Maybe you're, you haven't looked into it or whatever, but uh, so feel free if it doesn't fit. But uh, there was a lot of uh, kind of comments uh, the last week or whatever uh, from Cardano because they're supposed to be launching their smart chain platform. And you might've seen somebody tried doing a DEX and had issues with being able to only do one transaction per block and things like this. And so there was all sorts of conversation about how Ethereum has a global state and uses an account-based system, whereas Cardano uses, it's like an extended UTXO system. And so the whole architecture is fundamentally quite different in terms of how, uh, how you need to build this technology. Um, is that going to make it better for you know opportunities to do things like aggregators, um, or do you have any any thoughts on how that different different approach plays out for uh, for this type of space? Mm, to be honest, I don't know. I never thought about it. I don't see why it will make it harder. Um, yeah, I can't say. Uh, I have to, to look, uh, look. I, I mean, I, I know about UTXO model uh, at a high level, but never thought about it in this context of smart contract in Cardano. But yeah, I saw the stories. So yeah, yeah, we'll it's, see how, how things will play out. It's kind of interesting because, I mean, I mean, maybe it does the opposite, right? Because um, you kind of get better, uh, like, um, yeah, you end up with some ways it's got an advantage and in other ways it doesn't. And so it's just totally different architecture. So it'll be interesting to see how I it- I would intuitively it. think that it will be more complex than just using an account-based uh, system well, because you have this uh, REST uh, and so on. But yeah, hard, hard to say like that before looking into the details. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on here. Is there a uh, thought, and I know we talked about this before, but are you guys gonna do a token? Uh, well, to launch this decentralized network, obviously uh, it needs uh, an incentive model. So a token will make sense. Yep. Uh, so yeah, the short answer is yes. And that's the reason 
is the decentralization of the system. We may do it before for improving the products, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is the main reason why I think a token is necessary is for creating incentives uh, or security uh, that will depend on each model that uh, if Firesoft will have a token, that will be the reason. Nice. And will you be doing uh, uh, like a DAO to help kind of govern that as well? or? But I think uh, but right now, uh, so if, if this would happen like a year from now or maybe two years, yeah. the best model uh, crypto came up with is DAOs. Yeah. But maybe uh, if this will happen three years from now, uh, maybe we will come up with something uh, more fancier than DAOs and that would make sense. So yeah, whatever is going to make the system decentralized and efficient uh, for us, uh, we're going to, I mean, in our perspective, we're going to use it. Cool. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, it's really it's really a fascinating problem to figure out. You know, how do you engage the community and get participation and decentralization and have people kind of carry it through? And so I'll be super interested to see how you uh, how you handle those challenges. It'll be uh, it'll be a fun fun journey. Sure. Well, thanks uh, thanks very much for coming here. Is there anything else that uh, our viewers should know about Paraswap or? Uh, well, Parasod.io, uh, if they uh, would like to, to, to know more, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Paraswap. Yep. We have a lot of uh, updates, very frequent updates in Telegram as well. I mean, there are all the links uh, in Put both. Put them all in the, the show notes very... so people can, people can yeah, see. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, that would be good. And if anyone is a developer who's from, you know, Solana or Polkadot or any of these others who wants to go and help... Uh, Build uh, build support in Paraswap. I'm sure that uh, you can contact them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, join all those networks or just Paraswap.io/jobs. Uh, yeah. You see all the offers, or just reach out to me. You'll find me very easily in Telegram. I'm I'm around all the time and very active there. Awesome, awesome. What all positions are you hiring for right now? Well, so the team, as you can expect, uh, backend, frontend, uh, products uh devops uh yeah many many other positions that are coming cool cool sounds good well thanks very much for being here and explaining to us about uh about paraswap really appreciated you taking the time and uh yeah we'll look forward to being in touch in the future and finding out about other updates as you roll them out yeah thanks a lot michael i was i had a lot of fun here 100 100 all right guys go and uh, check out uh, all the links are below and uh, thanks again for uh, being with us. Hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. It helps us with the algorithm. And we're going to see you on the next, uh, next interview.